Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Are you ready to challenge a rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. My name is Sherry Roberts, and you're listening to Challenging the Rhetoric. Thanks for tuning in. Tonight, Ryan Beam from the Center for Biological Diversity will be joining us to discuss President Trump's apparent war on our environment. We live on a finite planet with infinite growth, and the damage is done. Now, Trump seemingly wants to dismantle the Environmental Protection Agency and sell off our public lands. Welcome to the show. Trump's administration says to hell with any negative impact the Dakota Access Pipeline will have on Standing Rock tribal lands or its people. Let the pipeline begin, they say, and protesters have until February 22nd to clear out. But the affront on our environment? It goes beyond just the pipeline and tribal lands. It goes beyond public lands, too. EPA employees have been instructed not to release press releases, public, or publish blog posts, or post anything on social media as part of Trump's crackdown. Many all-agency accounts have been registered on social media, particularly on Twitter, to keep as much information uh, and communication out there flowing to the public. It's getting a bit Orwellian, and as always, we have a lot to talk about. If you'd like to participate with us during the live broadcast, you can join us in the chat room on Blog Talk Radio forward slash Challenging the Rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. That's C-H-E-R-I. The chat room is launched. Just click on episode 49, and the chat room should load right beneath the slider there. Uh, you can hit refresh if you're already there and you don't see it. You can also tweet to us at CTR Newsfeed. Be sure to visit the website at Facebook page uh, or Facebook page at challengingtherhetoric.news. Tonight, we're using the hashtags CTR. And um, Oregon standoff, Bundy Ranch, because we're going to be talking a lot about that, as well as EPA and uh, public lands. And remember, okay, this is very important. It's a dialogue, not a debate. You know how it works. Our guest tonight is Ryan Beam. Beam has a degree in natural resource management and dedicates uh, (laughs) his time and himself to close analysis of the West public lands. Working with the Center for Biological Diversity to ensure that ownership of and management authority over, very important, our public lands is not ceded to private industry interests. The center itself works to secure a future for all species, great and small, through science, law, and creative media. We love creative media. Beam and former Challenging the Rhetoric guest, Karen Suckling, the center's director, are currently protesting on behalf of public lands outside of the first Bundy trial, stemming from the 2014 armed standoff with state and federal law enforcement near the Bundy Ranch. Trial began in Las Vegas, Nevada on Monday. So, fortunately for us, we're going to get an update on that too. Ryan Beam, welcome to the show. Hey there, Sherry. Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. I've had Karen on, and, um, you know, early on last year, you know, uh, after the arrest for the Oregon standoff uh, that happened here in Burns, Oregon. I live, I live in Oregon, uh, in case you didn't know that. So, um, and I've stayed in touch and I follow on Twitter, you know, the Center for Biological Diversity. So I've been, you know, paying attention to what's going on. So I'm, I'm happy to also be introduced to you. You're new to me. <laughs> so why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what you do with the Centers for Biological Diversity? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I work under our, our public lands program, which uh, broadly works to defend uh, federal public lands. And um, I deal specifically with this public land seizure movement um, that we're, we're starting to see is really, unfortunately, kind of gaining some sort of traction in recent years. Um, so we're, we're trying to do all that we can to uh, slow that down and put a stop to it. Well, that's that's pretty important. I became uh, obviously through the Oregon standoff here. I became so much more aware 
of the land issues in general. And, you know, I, I've always known that we, we do have land issues. We do have government infringements and stuff like that, but in the way of, of which it's pre presented politically, as well as from movements of which we've seen uh, here in Oregon, there in Arizona, I mean, in Nevada, as well as other places, it's not quite, you know, what they say. You uh, kind of specialize in issues dealing with BLM and, and that sort of stuff. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that'd be fair to say. So when you and Karen are out there protesting, um, what are your signs saying? What are you saying to the people? Are you, is there a lot of traffic when, when you were out there on Monday, uh, you know, protesting for the, uh, you know, with regards to the, the, the Bunkerville trial? Yeah, Monday was pretty relaxed. Um, kind of the usual suspects out there, there were a similar number of Bundy supporters out there as there were uh, people on our side. Um, and I mean, our message is simple, uh, which is just that we love public lands and we want to keep them protected. And that the way to make decisions on public lands is through the process of government and not at the barrel of a gun. Correct. Um, I have I have a lot of listeners that discovered me and and started listening to my show because of the Oregon standoff. Um, so they're more up on the you know the the issues involved here, but the majority of my listeners may not be so well versed on it. Can you kind of explain what what the problem here you know kind of is in a nutshell? Uh, what what the Bundys and others that are fighting that fight, including politically what their stances on public lands and, you know, kind of what, what public lands really are, because I think that that's what get lost. We have people like the Bundys, they say, well, they're public lands, they're ours, they belong to the people. Um, but the way that they're twisting that is, is completely different. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Bundys say, yes, public lands are ours, but then they take it the next step further and they say, we, the Bundys want, to be able to do anything uh, that we desire on those lands. Um, so they're, they're for the Bundys, but the Bundys only. Um, and they want to circumvent the, uh, the, the process of management, which, while flawed, uh, ensures that uh, we are managing these lands for multiple uses and for the public at large. Uh, in the Bundys' view overall, uh, the federal government does not exist, essentially, and certainly does not have the authority to own and manage those lands, uh, but that runs contradictory to 200 years of, of case law that say otherwise. Well, as a, you know, as an activist myself, I, I have over the years participated in many different activist events with some of these groups that have been involved in, in the Bundy Ranch and the Oregon situation um, in the past. And I saw a great change. And that great change was is that a whole bunch of groups that had some sort of basically at its base uh, anti-government message kind of all group together for for these two events there's a lot of people that would not normally even socialize together um let alone you know <laughs> jeopardize their and other lives and and so on and so forth for for something where do you do you think it's just an arrogance or do you think that somewhere along the way these people because i see these people as uh even though i disagree with what they've done and stuff i i recognize that they have what what i call true believer syndrome they they really believe what they're saying they really believe believe in what they're doing. Uh, not necessarily everybody that glommed onto the events, but you know, the key, the key components of it. And so, I mean, do you see that? What is it that, that is making these pe people believe something so wrong? I mean, I think that that is the hardest, one of the hardest things for people to understand. And you may or may not know the answer, but just kind of asking for a little enlightenment from you. <laughs> More perspective. Yeah, I... It's always good, right? I wish I did know the, the answer to that. Um, this kind of element of their message being confused and not well formed and uh, furthermore, you know, based in seemingly some sort of different reality uh, really does make it 
hard to understand where they're coming from and what exactly it is that they want and why that is. Um, that was something I was definitely struggling with on, on Monday being there um, and having conversations with them is kind of trying to hang as they bounce from conspiracy theory to conspiracy theory. Uh, when when uh, I assume that um, that some of the, the counter protesters or the, you know the Bundy supporters tried to engage with you and were they talking at you? Were they friendly? Were they aggressive? How how did that kind of go? Oh, they were they were mostly friendly. I mean, it's interesting. A lot. Uh, you know, this is a lot of the same people that were at the Oregon trial, and uh, you know they know Kiran. Um, and they know some of our other employees. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a largely friendly feeling interaction. Um, everybody generally knows what the other side is there to say. Um, and so, yeah, uh, engaging in, in conversation every once in a while and um, nothing too hostile. I mean, one of the Bundy supporters did swat one of our microphones or megaphones rather a couple of times. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but that's, you know, when there, there's yelling back and forth, but uh, nothing, nothing too tense, at least not, not on Monday. We'll see, you know, this was the first of three trials that, uh, that'll occur in Vegas. Um, and it's the one that deals with the lowest level participants in the uh, Bunkerville standoff. Um, the right. second one, which will start uh, 30 days after this one concludes which might be sometime in late April or so, that's when Cliven will be on the stand. That's when Ammon and Ryan will be there as well. And so uh, we, we expect there will be some more action um, when that comes around. Yeah, I, I would definitely expect so. Um, I know I spoke with you uh, earlier prior, prior to doing the show tonight, um, asking if you were feeling any disgruntledness from any of the Bundy supporters. Um, because I know Scott Drexler is one of the ones that is on trial right now um, in this case. And I believe opening statements start tomorrow. They've been in uh, voir dire. It was last uh, few days. But I believe it's opening statements tomorrow. Scott Drexler is one of the, the six on trial this round. And his daughter, Chelsea Hamel, had contacted me many months ago um, and was very disheartened. Uh, if Bundy supporters are out there listening, uh, it seems not just from the general population, but also from what, you know, as uh, Ryan just said, the lower level players in these these first this first round. And let me say that Eric Parker is one of these, quote unquote, lower level you know players. And Eric Parker is the uh, the one that, that was, you know, plastered everywhere, the sniper laying down on the bridge, you know, so on and so forth. So Chelsea had uh, contacted me and she really felt that that the Bundys and the Finnicums had had kind of bailed on uh, a lot of these people, including her dad, uh, Drexler. And, but you said you, you hadn't really experienced that. Could you kind of give an idea of how many protesters at the height or supporters at the height were there on Monday? Um, yeah, it was kind of uh, hard to tell. Some of them were in the courthouse itself. Some of them were out on the sidewalk, but um, it, it was maybe, you know, eight or 10 on either side. Yeah, I you know as we're talking, you know when we get to um, the 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 bigger names, unfortunately, the names that have some notoriety or celebrity at this point um, in these movements, you know that those numbers will grow. And and in, in our experience, and and I don't know how many of these that you attended or if you attended any of the stuff in Oregon, but I know that Karen could uh, attest at how obnoxious some of them got. I mean, Pete Santilli now, you know, behind bars for the past year kind of wipes some of that obnoxiousness out, but there have been plenty of people that have um, been more than willing to step up and follow that lead. Um, are, are With these protesters, are you finding that they're videotaping what they're doing? It seems to, or, you know, with their cell phones or whatever, it seems to be like a really important to a lot of them to document um, everything and then spin it out there, however. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was pretty much omnipresent on Monday. I would say they had three tripods out there, and and everybody's got their cell phone rolling. You know what I assume to be uh, live broadcasts. Uh, that that was definitely an interesting element of interacting with them, knowing that they're uh, likely 
pushing all of that footage out to their followers. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's some of the footage that they put out there and, and some of the, you know, sit in front of a Facebook live videos that they, that they broadcast are, are crazy. Brianna Bundy has, uh, she has accused um, the guards at the jail of molesting uh, Pete Santilli and Mel Bundy, her husband, as well as um, Jason Woods. And um said because uh, allegedly uh, somebody had gotten stabbed in that unit and so it was a typical you know roll and strip thing when something like that happens in jail and you know mm -hmm. i'm sorry jail is not a pleasant mm -hmm. place in any way shape or form from the food to the hygiene to the company you know so um but those things happen and you know ironically and i think that you understand this mindset had had it been any one of their their quote-unquote political prisoners that had been stabbed or injured in any way and there wasn't a lockdown in a role, they would be the first ones out there bitching about it. So, um, you know, it's always, <laughs> it's always, you know, a little grain of salt all the way around. Let's, uh, let's talk about more about public lands. Let's talk about involvement from the political side as much as, as you can um, with regards to, you know, like Americans land, American land councils, the Koch brothers involvement, the Koch brothers were involved with it at least. Um, and that's well on record with uh, the 2014 Bundy ranch episode and at least publicly, they seem to somewhat part ways through the Oregon standoff thing and kind of denounce it. But when we have big, powerful money like that, and then we have um, governmental, you know, agencies, politicians, you know, with, with leanings towards, you know, industry, basically, to corporation and industry, we have people that I think um, are often manipulated because of, of needs and maybe ignorance that they might have in, in their own case, using uh, the, the Bundy Ranch as an example, where there are much other interests in when they're wanting these lands released to the public. It's not like they're going to say, hey, we all get a couple acres, you know, or we could do whatever we want. We're, we're really talking about selling these lands to, for the most part, to corporations and such people like the Koch brothers. Is that not correct? Yeah, no, that that's absolutely how I see it. Um, <clears throat> I, that's where I see the threat lying. And to a large extent uh, in the Bundy's, I think industry saw a story that they could grab onto and a character that they could utilize in the, the Western cowboy. Um, and they needed that in order to, you know, be able to uh, argue in front of the American people, um, because if they come out just saying that, uh, you know, we want we want these lands to be turned over so that uh, corporations can increase their already healthy profits, they're not going to get anywhere in the public opinion. Yeah. And, you know, there were a couple of times uh, over the course of the last year that I had exposed uh, different um, portions of Koch brother entity involvement in uh, the Oregon standoff Patriot movement. And there was a lot of people in the movement that like really freaked out. They were really mad because I knew from having been parts of some of these groups in the past that a lot of those people really were not supporters of the Koch brothers. Um, and, you know, it becomes like really dystopian because then there's like this uproar and then there's like this acquiesce. It, it's kind of strange. And a really good example of that is a uh, KSV archive had pointed out to me earlier today that Deb Jordan, Pete Santilli's lady who, who will be uh, on trial there in Nevada soon, um, had uh, you know the internet talk show host she had posted something about the illuminati and that's very much something that santilli and his followers and 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 deb would talk about however what was really um and this is a small thing but it's a huge thing to anybody listening lisa bundy alan bundy's wife had replied as if she had never heard of this before, which I believe is possible. But she replied very open and and like, oh, you know, I need to know this stuff. And and it's like it's it's really crazy because just like negativity breeds negativity when there's so much angst involved, no matter what it is, there's this hyperness, especially online. It's called the hyper effect. I mean, it's a real thing. And it, it's not just like online dating. That's where 
people usually talk about the hyper effect on like, oh, you love somebody in 24 hours of chatting, you know, but the it's it's everything. These relationships that these people are building. I mean, we have people in this patriot movement, this specific patriot movement involved with these very, quote unquote, political prisoners that are involved in credit card merchant account scams, um, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of grifting, a, a whole lot of stuff. And so they are bonding deeper and deeper on these other very weird esoteric is too good of a word level. Do you, do you, do you follow me? I mean, conspiracies. Now we have conspiracies involved in the land movement where, where it hadn't been before. Now we have conspiracies involved in, in running the white house with it. And I say that as a conspiracy theorist, Ryan, <laughs> can you talk on that a little bit? Um, <laughs> I mean, conspiracies I mean, are real, say, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to track them all. Um, it's hard to keep them all straight. And, uh, and um, yeah, it, 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 they're hard to argue against. When, uh, when you see um, people just so easily falling in line and you know I used to be like that and you just see them just falling in line and just starting to walk this path like they think they're enlightened they think they're awake you know and but truly there's these blinders there and it it, it makes me insane it totally makes me insane let's let's jump over um from just public lands a little bit to like these native lands and the the Dakota Access Pipeline and Standing Rock and everything that has transpired there since, you know, last April, almost a year now. Um, all these protests have been going on. They, you know, the protests are being told to move out and all this stuff. When we're talking about all of these things happening with our land, with our environment and stuff, it's important to recognize and for the listeners, it's very important to recognize that our government currently right now as it sits seems to not even want to honor or care about anything that they've done with any of the native americans at this point with their lands too i mean they should care i mean they're very concerned about the impact of water with the pipeline which is a very legitimate concern what say you um uh sorry you got my brain going somewhere else there um <laughs> yeah you know I, I think no I, I think it's important to begin really any discussion on public lands with the fact that the concept of federal public lands has only been around for a couple of centuries and the reason that it exists is because we forcibly took these lands um from the natives uh so yeah i i, I think naming that is really important in any of these discussions and the juxtaposition last october when the bundys were acquitted at the same time that you had the the no dakota access pipeline uh protest really heating up and you saw the water protectors being assaulted um that juxtaposition was really really illuminating and hard to look at yeah it's uh i i have a couple of friends who are actually out there protesting um uh, ali if you're listening hey shout out to you good job out there um i you know I, I wasn't able to go out there i used to travel a lot for protests but i'm getting older and my health is not so great so i i can't and i i wished i could but i also even when i can i can't be everywhere just like i can't write everything or cover everything like a lot of people seem to expect so let's let's since since you're really um knowledgeable with regards to the blm involvement in public lands can you can you kind of break that down a little bit yeah well i mean i guess the thing that we've been looking at most in recent months is um uh overall you know where does the actual threat to public lands lie and uh the reality is that no matter what the states say and no matter what the Bundys say, the only body with authority over our public lands is Congress. Um, so a lot of what we've been doing recently is is looking at, you know, what has Congress been doing 
in the last years uh, trying in the way of trying to take away ownership of our public lands, cede authority over our public lands to private interests or to the states, which largely looks the same. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've been examining the bills that uh, yes deal with BLM and, and uh, maybe giving states control over uh, travel management decisions on BLM land or giving states and industry more say in logging. Um, this sort of thing is, is what we've been looking at and we've been examining who's been putting forth those bills and who's been supporting those bills. Um, and it's when we're looking at those that I think we're looking at what's going to be the real threat in the coming years. We've already seen a uh, I think more than 20 of those bills, most most replicas of um, ones introduced in the last three uh, Congresses, we've already seen those introduced in this Congress and um, are, are deeply concerned at the, uh, the effects that, that those could have if, if and when some of them unfortunately do make it through. With, uh, you know, um, Trump has, uh, his administration has said um, that, you know, they, they want to make all these changes to the EPA, to the Environmental Prote Protection, <laughs> I can't even speak tonight, um, you know, to the EPA. And th with with regards to that, there, there are many activists that I've marched with over the years or whatever that, um, you know, are all for um, public lands and are all about our environment that still have problems with some of the things that the EPA has done and all that. And I'm, I'm no expert on the EPA. Um, let me, let me make that clear. Uh, I'm not an expert on many things, even though I talk about them sometimes. That's why I bring experts on, but um, the, you know, with regards to just the environment in general, let's just talk as two people for a minute. We have, you know, I, I, I said in the opening about having this finite planet, with infinite growth. I mean, that, that's a fact. There's, there's no, <laughs> there's no question of denying that. And over the years I have um, had different people on my show speaking about environmental things. And one of those people is, is a man who, who I, I really like. His name is Guy McPherson. Uh, he's, he has something called nature bats last. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's a big environmentalist, but most people perceive him to be more like a, a doom and gloomer because he and those that follow him and and colleagues of his um, believe that basically there's there's no more hope. It's more about hospicing now that, you know, our earth is basically wrecked and we've passed like people worry about peak oil, that we've passed kind of the peak time to save the earth and 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 so on and so forth. But what you do with the Center for Biological Diversity is is part of you know, making possible, possible sustenance for living, living things, um, and living beings. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the biological, the Center for Biological Diversity and, and that, that portion of it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, at its basis, the idea behind the center is that life is good. Um, and that, uh, we should fight for its continued existence. Um, I don't think I'm as, as doom and gloom as, as that man that you were referencing. I think, uh, you know, we've got at the moment, a, a, a solid base to work with in terms of, um, preserving what we do have. Uh, um, but the, the scary thing to look at is whether or not in the next four years, we're going to lose those pieces of of bedrock environmental law that allow us to defend the environment uh, based on our values. Yeah, it's looking that way. It's looking that way, Ryan. I, and, and, and I, and I'm not, I'm not a dim and gloomer. I, I, I do believe that we have um, had a tremendous impact on this thing we call earth. And I think that anybody who seems to think differently or, or want to project differently, they, they are either beyond ignorance or they truly must have an agenda. Uh, you can't, I mean, it's like anything. Somebody once told me, um, I, I never lived in a nice house. And I said to them, 
well, what did you do to make it nice and keep it nice? And um, the answer was basically kind of nothing. And it, it's the same thing like with relationships. People, you know, they'll cheat. Well, the grass is greener on the other side. And to that I say, well, okay, um, it, it may be true. The grass may be greener on the other side, but it's because you stop maintaining your damn lawn. You know, so, um, I mean, it, so it's kind of everything. And then you have these people that just project this utter ignorance uh, as these talking points and these sound, point, these sound bites and their hashtags. And, and people have no, uh, I don't even, I don't even get it because there's not even a thought process anymore. It's like, oh, I see it, a headline click share. Didn't even read it. Didn't even care. Oh, just the headline sounded good. And, oh, let's hate on this. And, oh, they're stupid. You know, the, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. We're making no impact. We have no footprint. It's all make believe it's for this, that, and the other. Can we talk a little bit about climate change? <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> absolutely we can um some people seem not to be able to or not willing to these days but uh yeah what what to you what does that mean to you climate change i think it means something different to everybody and i think because you know we've heard about um, greenhouse gases. We've had all this terminology for, you know, a, a dozen years or more, you know, more, you know, as far as mainstream talk. And, but I do think it means something to everybody, you know, and so what does that mean to you exactly, climate change? To me, climate change is this kind of uniquely unifying threat that faces the environment and the people that depend on the environment. Um, it's, it's so much different than the other kind of public lands management issues that we look at because it's so omnipresent. Um, and it's just something that more and more we're not able to ignore. I was talking with a friend who does research in the Arctic recently and, um, she was studying a bird and uh, was was doing nothing nothing to do with climate change, but um, but it happened. And year after year, the birds moved away from her study site, and so her study turned into uh, looking at climate change, um, not by her choice, but uh, just by the fact that it is inescapable. Um, and now she's worried about uh, whether or not funding will come through for her for her studies because uh, because that research might be blacklisted. I, I, I live in Oregon, as I pointed out. So and, and, and it shouldn't be blacklisted. All the stuff that's happening with the EPA right now, there is so much happening with this change of president. Um, and there is every time we change president, but this has been kind of extraordinary. And I think that everybody's kind of got whiplash right now from all sides. I mean, even the sides that are, you know, raw, raw and Trump, but because everything is happening so dramatically fast. So, uh, people, people like the woman you're talking about, they do need funding. Um, and I, you know, I encourage you, uh, to tag me and like tweet out a means that some, somebody could help and, and donate to that, you know, or if, if there is a possibility of that, but with regards to all these with climate change for me, <laughs> and, and I don't know that anybody really cares what I think it is. And I'm not looking at the definition. I'm not going online. And just to me, I can tell you, I live in the state of Oregon and we have had the craziest winter ever here and each successive year there's something crazy whether it happens in the summer or whether it happens in the winter and it is continuous it's it's a continuous build and when i lived in california the same thing and and other states so and i think that people are witnessing that all over um a former roommate of mine uh, e michael silikowski who i believe is listening tonight he's a former uh mailman and he used to drive all around the state of massachusetts for many many years and millions of miles and uh you know as he points out um to people when he speaks is that he literally with his own eyes has seen season after season the changes there. These are things that can be seen. These are things that can be measured. So again, we are dealing 
in my mind, with this complete and utter disconnect, this complete suspicion of everything, and it's only a select few people. Let me say, they are not the majority. Somehow we got President Trump in there, but it was not a majority that voted him in. So how, how do we educate? How do we educate people who do not want to learn? Oh, that's a difficult question that I wish I had a better answer to. And oh, I, and but I think, the center is all you know, about creative media. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, I'm definitely a big proponent of of art um, as a tool for that. It, it, but I just think we're going through a period where our, our really base level assumptions on how people learn and how people act. Um, with knowledge and data are being challenged. So yeah, maybe that is a signal that we're in a time where we need to move away from trying to point people towards studies and and more towards emotional, uh, reaching out on an emotional um, level to, to try to change the hearts of people because we seem to be in a period of time where people are relying a lot more on belief and how they feel than uh, than what experts are telling them. And if, if, if you have an activist that is more, um, has the time, the money, the inclination, the ability to go and be an in the streets sort of activist and do protests like the one that you, you have done at the um, courthouse for the, with regards to the Bundys or only those that, you know, can only be keyboard cowboys, you know, at their, at their desk or on a device. Um, there's different kinds of actions that can, that people can do. And I'm not necessarily looking for like an official statement out of you on that. I'm just as a human being who cares about things, who's done some, you know, your own thing before you even worked with the, with the center um, and stuff like that. What do you find that works uh, in those means, because I, I don't always want to be down on people who can't get out to protest or or go out and lobby Congress or whatever the case may be. I mean, there are people that have genuine reasons they can't get out from behind that computer. And I realize that now I used to like really be a jerk <laughs> about it. But, um, you know, so I mean, there's different avenues that people can take. Is there somewhere like let's talk about online people? Is there uh, and let me say, if you're listening, please check out biologicaldiversity.org. Um, and they do have programs there that you can you can check out like Endangered Species, Climate Law Institute, International Oceans, Public Lands, Population and Sustainability, Urban Wildlands, Environmental Health, lots of stuff there. Uh, biologicaldiversity.org but outside of that ryan where are some uh, other places that people can get like factoids or something that they could do some sort of online activism yeah we'll just say that uh the center has put out uh, a trump resistance guide we're really trying to uh foment a, a resistance movement and so if you go on our website um you can find a list of those those things another kind of go-to for me right now um in terms of telling, pointing people somewhere is the indivisible guide. I don't know if this is something that you've talked about on your show before, Sherry. The what? The indivisible guide. This is, it's a, a guide of pointers from former, uh, congressional staffers. Uh, yeah, I have basically. not. So please, please do. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's something that I think is gaining a lot of traction. It's uh, former congressional staffers giving advice on how to, um, make an impression on your representatives. Uh, and a lot of those actions are um, really simple. You know, it has a, a lot to do with just calling your representatives and uh, um, looking up when their office hours are and showing up to that. Um, but another thing, and that's a maybe a 20-page document that's, uh, you know, a, a pretty short read and has some really good... Um, actions that you can be taking every day. But then another thing that you can do off of that website is um, there's a, a location search. You can enter in where you live and that'll link you to different um, groups that are popping up in different areas around kind of getting more involved and making more noise. Um, and, and I think that's gaining, at least I know I live in Flagstaff, Arizona, and, and that's been uh, gaining a huge amount of traction here, and that's been really heartening to see in the last weeks. 
That's awesome. That's outstanding. Um, I'll ask you to maybe tweet out a link and tag me on that. Um, that guide that you're that you're talking about that would be great. I, I would like to um, kind of capitalize on that moment of what you just said to give a couple activist tips that I think that are the most overlooked things. I don't care what you're advocating for uh, with regards to the tips I'm going to give you, but here's the deal: it is about presentation, and um, one of the things that has always bothered me is it seems that when people want to get out and protest. There's a large portion of those people um, that dress down and um, even to the point of hilarity or um, creating the perception of uh, dangerous and or like just completely far out loons. I mean, I used to use Code Pink as an example. And, and forgive me, Code Pink, you've done some great things along with years. But, uh, you know, they would come out, they'd show up at protests and they would have, you know, literal tinfoil hats and, you know, these great, you know, elaborate getups that were pretty wild and crazy. And I, I understood it was to draw attention, but the attention that stuff like that gets and if you if you have, if you're not wise to this yet, then please wake up. That's something to wake up about. Whatever you're advocating, if you are not presenting yourself well, if you are just being a John Ritzheimer angry and crying, oh my kids and the Constitution, and and then you know being you know in your face the next second, or or all that kind of stuff, or being like Pete Santilli, those presentations only get people that are going to be what I call the creme de la fringe, that you're not going to get the appropriate attention to your movement that you want, nor are you going to get any kind of appropriate media attention to help further your cause, whether it's corporate mainstream media or whether it's indie or alt media or even the own, your own media that you're creating at these events and you're purporting it out there. If it's you know just the choir that's patting you on the back, you're not doing anything. But too many people go out there. There was a time I used to go on all these marches and people would stand on a corner with a bullhorn yelling something like a fact at passersby and, you know, drivers, pedestrians and the like. But they were never giving any kind of a call to action. They were never telling the people what they could do about it. And it was coming across very angry. And so it it's scary. And that's one of the things with this patriot movement, with the Bundy issues in Oregon and Nevada and, and across especially the Western states, that we have seen a lot of that kind of um, intimidation factor of what they try, a lot of online bullying and and, and bullying at, a, at, at protests with counter protesters and such. And so... Whatever you're advocating, really think about how you're presenting yourself. You do catch more flies with honey uh, than you do an AR-15. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's really important um, to the extent possible to be really thinking through when you're taking actions what your message is going to be, keeping that simple. Um, you know, if, if appropriate, coming up with a, uh, you know, a direct ask um that you're working towards and then yeah thinking yeah, about course of visuals course of mm -hmm. action is imperative and it's just uh, other than presenting yourself wrongly or too aggressively and negatively negativity breeds negativity people uh you know people need a course of uh, of action a clear course of action yeah yeah to be concrete with that is is really important and that that was one of the things that was interesting to to watch this week at the bundy protest was you know they, they just yell stand on the street and yell freedom indiscriminately you know and it, it's not communicating anything it's not making any sort of point um yeah they could uh really work on their messaging over on that side there yeah and you know quite honestly i think that um a lot of people, if they see somebody, you know, brandishing, waving an American flags and yelling freedom and all of that, most people don't, not only do they not know what it's all about, but they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Hong Kong freedom. Yeah, I want to be free. It's America. It's America, you know, but <laughs> but they're, they're still not, they're not propagating a real message. And then they take to social media and they put out like, you know, all these outlandish things and, and, you know, there's some grains of truth in some of the things that they say, but they just twist it and turn it in such a way that it just ends up being vile and it is of no help to them. But however, we have this president Trump now, see Ryan, and that's problematic because, you know, it's like, I, 
I, I keep expecting any day now he's going to say, oh, the bunnies, just let him go. Let's just drop the case. They were right, you know, because he wants, you know, he kind of believes along those kind of ideas because, you know, he's an Alex Jones, not just follower, but porter. And, um, you know, he says Alex Jones' reputation is great. He's not going to let him down. This is the mindset. These just like these people and the influence of people like Deb Jordan, Pete Santilli have on some of the more simpler people. Um, and so, Again, how do we go from there on that? How do we how do we get uh, a, a bigger and bolder message? So we talked about online stuff. Let's talk about outside of presentation in the streets. Sometimes people seem to think that they have to wait for or let me say active activism. It doesn't have to even be in the streets. Um, people wait for someone else to do something. What can an individual do, Ryan, besides just calling Congress and Senate? Are there other agencies that can be called? I mean, is there anything else other people can do that is active, that are real true things that they say, you know what, once a week, I'm going to do this faithfully, and it's going to take them five minutes. Something that takes five minutes. Um, yeah, you know, an yeah, hour. I was going to say trying to to get FaceTime with your representatives is really important, and and that's something that they um, you know are are uh, responsible for doing with their constituents. And so you know it, you can sign up for uh, email alerts from your representatives, and in those alerts they'll they'll give their office hours, and and those are generally traveling office hours. So. Uh, you know, if your representative is having office hours in your town, um, that would be a really, really important thing to do that could just take an hour to go get five minutes of their time and say, you know, this is this is the one issue that I'm really worried about right now that you have authority over. Here is my opinion. Will you please take that into consideration? That that's really um, good advice. I would also suggest for people to, um, you know, write letters to the editor, participate in the process. You have to participate in whatever it is, and that and that means the political process too, and not just about protesting. It, it's about being involved, being informed, and and informed. You know, I'm gonna I say this all the time, Ryan. How how would you tell people to get informed on environmental issues? And and they're not gonna let's say they they don't want to go to the bio you know Center for Biological Diversity site because they like oh that's slanted. Where can they go where they might believe it? I mean, what you know you know what I'm saying because it, it doesn't. There's just people. I know people that hated Elizabeth Warren. Okay, the the senator from uh, Massachusetts who was trying to read Coretta Scott's letter last night, um, Coretta Scott King's letter. But 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 then they support her because of this, or they won't support her because of this because they still don't like her because of this. I think that people and entities need to be recognized when they do something good because that's the only way to get them to want to repeat doing something good. I mean, I think everybody can see that basis to be true that's how we raise children you know but so what can what can who, who can people go to in your opinion that's more middle of the road not not so much blatantly biases that people on either side would maybe take into consideration any suggest suggestions um yeah i don't high country news is is a publication that i i really do enjoy and, and respect um I was going to say that, you know, it's really difficult, especially right now, to try to stay up on on everything, even just within the environmental world. Um, you know, if you can find a, a, a sort of daily digest of the sorts of things that can be really helpful, but that can also be really time consuming. Uh, one thing that you can do, which I find really useful is uh, set up an RSS feed or a Google alert um, where you can put in search terms and and if news items pop up containing those search terms, then you can get an email uh, with that story in your inbox. So that that can be a really good way to target the news that you care about. Um, and and you know that's a really, I think going to be a really important way to not get burnt out in the coming years is to, you know, take a step back, think about what's really important to you in your life, 
um, and then delve deep into that rather than trying to be everywhere all at once. I absolutely agree. I would uh, take a step further and highly encourage everybody to do just what he said. However, with this edition, challenge yourself. Try to prove your thoughts and opinions and beliefs existing right now. Try to prove them wrong instead of making your searches and your Google alerts only to prove yourself right. Um, Ryan, I would like it if you would take the last remaining few minutes that we have and talk about some of the environmental issues that we have, some of the the you know sustainability issues, the the life and loss issues um, that are going on, whether it's you know plant species, animal species, and whatnot. Um, let's see, I guess I would, um, rather, if you don't mind, Sherry, I, I guess kind of sure. put forth what I see as the central question for me in the next years and the central goal and, and kind of what we can work towards, you know, more of a, a positive target rather than, um, detailing the atrocities, uh, of which there certainly are many. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Um, so, so what we're looking at in the next years is, uh, probably an unprecedented attack on our public lands and on their health, uh, writ large. And so the, the central question to me is, you know, Americans for decades have, polls have shown that Americans love their public lands deeply, that they want them to be conserved, uh, that they want to move away from fossil fuel development and industrial uh, uses on our public lands, uh, and that they, they want them to be um, around for the kids. And so how do we get the voice and the opinion of the American people to uh, overshadow the voice of industrial interests? Uh, that's the question that I'm trying to grapple with, uh, looking at the next four years. And, uh, and I, th I think it's one that we can answer. And, uh, you know, just last week we had a, a real win around this where, uh, Chaffetz put forth a, a bill that would have given away 3.3 million acres of public land in the Western U S. Um, and there were rallies in Montana, there were rallies in New Mexico, and there was a whole bunch of noise um, against this bill. And, and sure enough, Chaffetz, um, just a couple days ago, took that off the docket. He killed the bill. So, you know, if we can get our voices out there and voice our support for the public lands that we love so much, uh, legislators will listen. Um, so that's that's what I'm, that's my goal in the next years is to really communicate that love. I think it's important that um, people, one of the things in the activist world, because of technology uh, that people seem to, they want to bypass the process. And I do understand the feeling of impotence sometimes when, you know, like, you know, Sessions was, was, uh, you know, he got the, the nomination and he's now our attorney general. And uh, no matter what happened last night, what I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, but, you know, so there's a, you feel defeated and stuff, but we need to remember that this really isn't high school. This really isn't a popularity contest. It's not about the left and right. It's about what is right. And it's about what we need to do. Um, so let me ask you, and you, and again, you might not have an answer to this and no harm, no foul, but if you do, I, I would, I'd love it if you would offer that up. Is there uh, any politicians that people that care about the environment should be watching and maybe, um, you know, following and stuff? And as well as some that seem to be wanting to strip or rape uh, different policies and programs for the environment uh, that they should maybe be keeping their eye on and trying to engage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we, we, we've definitely got a list of people that we want to watch and that we want to call out who has a, have a, a history of um, taking a whole lot of money from oil and gas industries and, uh, and then putting forth bills that um, would uh, give away authority or ownership of, of our public lands. And um, Rob Bishop is, is certainly one of the most vocal uh, opponents of our public lands. Mike Lee, also from Utah, 
Chris Stewart, uh, Jason Chaffetz, Utah's really leading the charge here. Um, Warren Hatch as well, Paul Gosar. Uh, th th there's really a whole whole lot of uh, uh, legislators that are seemingly making this kind of their central cause to uh, to really make the public lands, uh, make it open season for industry on our public lands. And uh, we want to, at every step of the way in the next couple of years, when they do put forth this sort of legislation, we want to be there saying, no, we don't, we don't support this and uh, you don't have our vote. <laughs> yeah, I would also uh, challenge people that uh, aside from um, legislators and such, I think that you also need to be reaching out in your own communities, uh, in, the, in the schools that your children attend, the churches that you assembly at, um, different different things throughout your day. It could be as simple as a ball cap that you're wearing at the grocery store. You need to start engaging on a human level with people, not just online, and you know, and try to kind of bring that back. And we have a whole slew of people across this country that voted in this president because based on beliefs that are not necessarily correct, um, to be kind, correct. Okay. So that they need to, you need to be reaching out to those people. You can't just say, Oh, you know, they're just idiots or this, that, and the other, and all the name calling and slinging. There, there should be some real outreach there. I mean, I, I think that everybody that cares about whether it's the environment or the other problems that we face as a nation and as a, as a, as a, as a world that, you know, there's, we're losing humanity along the way. Um, Ryan Beam, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the insight that you brought to the table tonight. And I would definitely like to have you uh, back on again and, and for sure, keep me up to date on what happens in uh, Nevada. And I can always uh, just schedule a show and bring you and or Karen on anytime if there's anything uh, worthy of doing a show about during while that's happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're expecting that to heat up at the end of April. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's definitely stay in touch and anything that you would like to have my readers or listeners see, shoot it my way. And I am happy to put it out there. I, I love the center for biological diversity. Thanks. Will do. Thanks so much, Sherry. Let go of left, let go of the right. That's what's right. That's what's right. I mean, right, right now. The separation of powers is our model of governance for a reason. Under this model, there are three branches of government that include legislature, an executive, and a judiciary, each of which has a separate and independent power and responsibility. What is left out is what should be the real fourth branch, the branch of the people, we the people. Sometimes, like last night, a politician suddenly becomes meaningful and human to millions, speaking volumes in seconds across the internet. Such was the case when Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren spoke against the nomination of Senator Jeff Sessions for Attorney General. On the Senate floor, she began quoting civil rights activist Coretta Scott King, the wife of Martin Luther King Jr., and she was shut down. The words that were cut off were on point and specifically related to Sessions himself and his character. They were relevant and they should have been heard and then perhaps heeded. What followed, however, were other Democratic senators that chose to stand up for Warren and against Sessions, many in turn and in opposition, also read Scott's words in defiance of their chambermates. Last week, it was former Attorney General Stacey Yates who stood up and spoke out. Tomorrow or next week, it'll be someone else. It might even be you. Whether elected, selected, or... Those who hold positions of power in this country have a moral obligation to do good by their fellow Americans and the health of our planet first, not pander for their own wallets or that of special interest in capital cronyism. Today, we really are on the verge of discovering if America could become a dictatorship. Locked down and lockstep, steeped in prideful, fear-based nationalism brought on by fake news, phony patriotism, and the exhaustion of fighting never-ending as the empire continues to grow, the divide too grows wider. Truth and decency are lines blurred into near oblivion, and it's time for true American patriots to follow the example of King, Warren, and Yates. The shredding of our Constitution and the arrogance of supremacy, wide or otherwise, should not be accepted. Our words, my words, your words, they all have power. What are your words? 
What is your power for? What impact are your words making in the world, in your community, in your homes, with your families? We have to take responsibility for this propaganda that we participate in, whether we are creating it or curating it or just being entertained by it. The endless cycle of click, like, share is just like lather, rinse, repeat. That means someone's selling something. So what are you buying if that's the case? If you if you know someone is doing it right, please email me at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com and uh, share them with me and I'll get in contact and maybe uh, feature them. If you like what I'm doing, please share the links. The tips to the show's PayPal are also appreciated. If you missed part of tonight's show or any of the others, you can find the archives and the donor links on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news. That's it for me tonight. I'll be back live next week. Until then, be kind to one another. Thanks for listening. <laughs>